0: I'm Wendy Michelle, personal trainer and nutritionist, turned researcher, innovator, and precision wellness specialist. Welcome to Whole, Healthy, and Free. This podcast is all about equipping you with cutting edge tools and information for accomplishing your health goals and becoming your best version of you. I have collectively spent over 20 years behind the scenes in clinical health care, in food and supplement manufacturing, in alternative medicine and fitness marketing. What I've seen behind closed doors and experienced in real life has provided me with an education no formal textbook would dare to write about. From it all, I learned that health is much easier than it has been presented to be. People are capable of way more than they realize. And the majority of what masquerades as healthy is commonly what actually contributes to illness. I break it all down and bring it all to light. For the sole purpose of giving you your power back so you can reclaim your health to live whole, healthy, and free. Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Whole, Healthy, and Free Defying the Limitations for Personal Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Michelle, and today I have an incredible guest with me, and we're going to be discussing emotional health, emotional intelligence and how to optimize your life with this crucial element to becoming whole. Our paths crossed years ago when I was speaking at Belmont University in Nashville, and they have been intersecting ever since. So from Tennessee to Los Angeles and Arizona, I've actually been very fortunate to have worked with her, our guest today, in a multitude of ways, and actually best of all, in my opinion, is I've had a front row seat to her evolution as a coach and a professional. She is an exceptional example of what I believe her generation has to offer our world. She leads with truth and integrity. She's thoughtful and hopeful and just an all-around astounding human being. Stephanie Hajar is a certified emotional wellness coach. She has dedicated her career to educate, support, and guide entertainers and athletes to develop the necessary skills and tools for superior health and paramount fulfillment. She discovered this career path while pursuing a music business degree at Belmont University and knew this would be a long standing mission. She has since worked with entertainment professionals, athletes, executives, and entrepreneurs whose ages range from 9 to 59. With nearly a decade of experience in the wellness and entertainment fields, Stephanie aims to help her clients break through mental roadblocks to maximize their potential, create the joy and peace that they desire, and above all, optimize their well being. I am so honored that she's here to share her expertise. Thank you so much for your time today, Stephanie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much.
1: I'm trying to be professional over here, but that intro got me on the verge of tears.
0: <laughs> well, Thanks for that. It's, it's all true. And and I mean, I really could have spent the whole show talking about um, all the things that we've seen and been through together and experienced, I, I mean, that is a story in and of itself. But um, <laughs> to to not waste any time, because what you have to share is just, it's its so helpful for people. And it seems to be, and we'll get into this a little bit, but it seems to be the one thing or the thing that most people wait for the last minute to do. its It's a lot of the wellness space and industry is really hyper-focused on the superficial stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but it's like the external, the, the diet and the exercise and so on. And so what you do, I think, is one of the most important. And as I said in the introduction, it's one of the most crucial elements, I think. Um, so I want to kind of go back to the beginning Because when I first met you, uh, you were at Belmont studying music business and taking an emotional intelligence class, which is where I was guest speaking. And of course you had all the best questions. (laughs) Um, And it was on that day that I knew you were gonna do amazing things. Um, And then fast forward to a year or two, and then we found ourselves together again in Los Angeles, (laughs) both living there and ended up there for different reasons, but we were catching up and you had recently completed nlp training Mm -hmm. so will you in your own words define for everyone what nlp is and what inspired you to do this as a career
1: yes so i'll start with the first part of that question nlp stands for neuro linguistic programming and it's a form of positive psychology and a modality that's used in a bunch of different um Forms of psychotherapy, counseling, um, coaching in the business world as well. And just to kind of break it down, neuro obviously refers to neurology, so how states of mind and body affect communication and behavior. Linguistic, of course, is the science of language and kind of what the mind and body reveal through our language and our nonverbal communication. And then programming is just how. That neurology, thinking, feeling, the language, how it all connects and operates. Um, And I guess the kind of the easiest way to to describe that in layman's terms is just like our phones have programs or apps that are running all the time, um, every once in a while they require an update. We'll get a notification that's like, hey, you need to update this app, or you need to update your iOS program to 27.32.5 or whatever we're at now. Um, And when we upgrade those programs, they just kind of work a little more efficiently. Maybe there are some things that they get rid of, some things that they add. Maybe they just update the aesthetic. But essentially, the point of updating or upgrading those programs is to run that program more efficiently. And so our brains are kind of the same way. Our brains and, and our nervous system carry programs in them. And every once in a while, we need to upgrade those programs too. Mm. Um, And so to give you kind of a a little bit of background on how I got into this and why, I'll give you the short version of the story. Um, I grew up not really having any information on health and wellness or really any any understanding of it. And about, I think it was like halfway through high school, um, I started to become interested in health and wellness. And I learned about health optimization and preventative health, which was so new to me and it blew my mind. And so I just started becoming quite literally obsessed with it and researched a bunch, observed as many people as I could, tried to learn from their mistakes, um, tried to model their successes. And then I wanted to tell everybody about all the things that I was learning. So. That was kind of the very beginning of of my journey, I guess, into personal growth, health, wellness, all of that stuff. And then when I went to college, where I met you, um, I was studying music business, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I really wanted to help people, and I want to work in entertainment, And that passion that I developed for health and wellness in high school was just something I thought I was going to do on the side. Mm -hmm. I just really loved it. And I thought, well, if I'm going to help people with that, it'll just be like for fun. And then when I got placed in that class, that social and emotional intelligence class, that's when I had that light bulb moment of like, oh, my gosh, this is what I have to do, because we started learning about peak performance and mental and emotional well-being and fame and the pressure that it, it can put on people. And so long story short, I knew, okay, this is the the job or the career that combines three of the things I love the most, which is helping people, health and wellness and entertainment. So from that point forward, I was sold.
0: Wow. I love that. I especially, I especially love how it really paints a picture of what of how I see and you know this well how I see health and wellness and why I always talk about it being a a whole thing you know that it, you can't mm-hmm. just when we fragment things when we try to isolate different components of who we are and what we love it's difficult to find you know, fullness of health because it's like, well, there's a piece of me that I left over there and there's a piece of me that I left over there. And then that's back where I thought I was just going to do that on the side. But how do I Mm -hmm. bring that in? I feel like it's such a blessing that that came to you so early on. I think that, and you probably know this as well through your experience, there's a lot of people who are in later stages of their life who are just now getting that where they're able to pull in No, this is a gift you have and this is a passion you have and this also happens to be the way that you make money and it can be all one you know it's Mm -hmm. it's you know creating that's really what the show is all about actually is to create wholeness is to become whole and to be able to intertwine all of those elements of who we are so I think that's so cool that um, kind of out of the gate, you got to do that, right? You know, so early on, um, which just is exciting to me from my standpoint, as I observe you going, man, if that all came together that quickly, uh, the sky is truly the limit because you're going to spend instead of the next 20 years trying to figure out how to do all that, you're going to kind of already have been launched which is how I see your career and why I wanted you on the show to talk about this because I just have seen you grow like so rapidly I mean you've truly become an expert in this in this field as far as I'm concerned and I think a lot of people need to know what this is and how we can you know how we can apply it to our daily lives and I mean you know already how I feel about proactive work, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's the difference between something that you do ahead of time, maybe there's not anything wrong yet, but you do it anyway, because you just want to be prepared, um, versus like the reactive stuff, which I do want to get into. But, um, you know, that's how we optimize, right, we get better, if we are able to proactively deal with things versus reactively deal with things. Um, And most people leave this emotional piece out, or it doesn't Mm -hmm. come into play until much much later um and as far as i'm concerned there's really no no way to achieve you know wholeness without well i mean it's like when you're cleaning you know there's the easy way to clean which a lot of times we do last minute or if we're just lazy and we just you know kind of shove everything into the drawers and the cupboards and the closet and then just wipe the counters or whatever and it like looks really nice you know externally it looks like Mm -hmm. everything is great but meanwhile in the dark places there's this grow this mold that's growing and you know it's just kind of festering and also it's accumulative so it's you know at any moment it could just bust at the seams versus when you clean really well you know you have to pull all the stuff out like everything has to come out and you know everything has to come out of the drawers and the cabinets and the, the closets and in that space, it looks really messy. That process is so messy, um, but it's it's only when that stuff's out can those areas of our lives be like cleaned up in a way, like so like, the closet can be cleaned and wiped down, and then we can put those things back in like a more organized way, um, and also choose which things do we keep, which things do we trash, mm-hmm. which things do we do we give away, and that's what NLP is like to me, and that's actually what I. Why I feel like we need help to do it because in that moment of mess, where we're like, okay, yeah, I want to become whole. I want to, you know, proactively approach things. It still requires that pulling of all things out and laying it all down. And you do that so well. I feel like with people, if helping them navigate the mess um, that's been created intentionally to to do, you know, to to organize and to to make it to where things are easier to find. Um, and to really optimize their life. And I feel like it's also great because it's an open-eye process, which I want to talk about as well, um, something that you can actually see in, you know, through the process, but also in this analogy of cleaning. You can you know, talk through it um, and then become more emotionally intelligent along the way. Uh, and actually, speaking of emotional intelligence, I feel like that's a term that gets thrown around a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I know from working with people for so long, um, That most people actually don't know what it means so how would you explain it and um and how could somebody tell whether or not they have a a high eq
1: that's a great question um so first of all i would i would say emotional intelligence is basically how we identify and experience emotions and how we regulate our emotions so Traditionally, there are four components to it. It's self-awareness, self-management, and then social awareness and social management or kind of conflict management. Um, And I think a way that we can kind of rate our own level of emotional intelligence is to just kind of look at um, kind of the fruits of our life Mm. and the, the relationships that we have and the results that we experience in our lives and, and almost like the quality of our lives, because to some degree, the quality of our lives or, or whatever we perceive to be the quality of our lives is often related to the quality of our emotions. Mm. And so if we're experiencing emotions that are just really um, unresourceful, I guess, and we're following those emotions, meaning our behaviors, reflect those emotions then we're probably not going to say that we have a really great quality of life and in turn we could probably see that there are some areas of our lives that would require a little bit more cleaning Mm -hmm. Um, so if we have a high eq we'd probably say generally speaking i have a great quality of life and i have really great relationships and I'm able to regulate my emotions pretty well. Um, I get along with people. And not just like I get along with people because I never speak up for myself. That would actually be quite the opposite. But I'm able to get along with people and empathize and understand them. And so I guess overall, just looking at, at your life or anyone's life and seeing um, basically the fruits of
0: it. I love that that's amazing and so helpful and I think um a really easy way to to do a quick inventory um you know based on that and and fruit being what you would what would be the desires of what you would want to see um Mm -hmm. you know measuring your desires what you would hope your life would look like versus you know where you currently stand um is there a difference between emotional intelligence and emotional health
1: Good question. <laughs> um, I personally think there is. I think you can be emotionally intelligent or seem emotionally intelligent, but, but be emotionally unwell. Um, I guess to some degree, if you are actually emotionally intelligent or you have a high level of emotional intelligence, you're probably emotionally healthy or emotionally well, however there are some instances where someone might seem to be emotionally well, uh, excuse me, emotionally intelligent, but maybe they exhibit some manipulative behaviors or um, things along those lines. So I think they can be directly, um, they can be the same, but they can also be slightly different, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. Yeah, and I think that's important because I actually do wanna get into um, some of the stuff in the way that the world actually uses NLP where people don't realize it's happening. Um, And so I do have that in my notes. I think it's a really important uh, element of this conversation and we will get to that. I I do wanna dig a little bit more into NLP specifically uh, for people so when they can just get a better idea of it and um, you know, under what circumstances people might need it. So um, we know that um, there's, as we've discussed earlier, there's the, the proactive way to do things, and then there's a the reactive way. So from a reactive standpoint, from that angle, will you talk a little bit about what's happening to the brain when we experience trauma, and then how NLP can help to undo some of that embedded information?
1: Yeah, for sure. So when we experience trauma, basically what happens in the brain and the nervous system is we store that memory with the emotions and the meaning that our brain gave it in that moment or right after that moment. And so when we see experience, hear of something similar to the trauma that we once experienced in the past, or even if we just think about it, our minds and our bodies have a reaction to that thought, that visual, that sound, whatever it might be. And so what NLP can do in the in the context of trauma is help to essentially rewire the way that program is running. So if you have a trauma or if you experience trauma, the brain and the nervous system become programmed. And like I said, they have a, a specific reaction. So with NLP, we can essentially rewire the program and experience similar um, results as kind of like EMDR, where you're somatic, uh, using somatic experiencing, um, where essentially the memory just becomes, you have new associations with it. Um, you can process it differently. You can learn things from it and eliminate or drastically reduce the amount of distress that you experience, um, from that traumatic event or that traumatic memory. So then comes new insights. And of course, then different reactions from the nervous system and the brain um, after utilizing various techniques of NLP.
0: I love that. It it just brings about so much freedom, and it's something yeah. that, with knowledge, you know, obviously comes comes freedom. That's what I believe. Which is probably why I <laughs> read so much because I'm like, mm-hmm. I want all the freedom. So I feel like. Learning and understanding really does produce that. but um, but I, I feel like people knowing that this is possible, that they aren't just like I've talked about in prior episodes, are not just a product of their genetics. They're also not a product of their experiences. Mm-hmm. that those things, um, you know obviously won't necessarily go away, but how they recall them or perceive them, you know, can be reframed. And in the process of reframing them comes a freedom, so to speak, of what binds them to, mm. you know, have a fear over a certain thing every time, it you know, it, it comes up, you know, if somebody was rear ended, and it was very traumatic for them, you know, not having to have that fear that every car for the rest of their lives is going to come up and rear end them. That mm-hmm. is a freedom that I think comes with NLP. And obviously, that's just a one example. What are some other experiences besides... Um, you know, like a very traumatic experience? What are some other things that people might be unknowingly programmed by or or reacting or responding to that would benefit from, from NLP?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so phobias, which are kind of more on the traumatic end, phobias are definitely something uh, we work through. Um, really just habits, like the common habits that we have, different behaviors. Um, so I'll give you an uh, an example if you if somebody just constantly realizes that they're overeating or they stress eat maybe they don't even realize it's stress eating. Mm-hmm. they just know like oh, for some reason, I just always eat till I'm so full and I just feel like I just feel like I, I ate way too much and I can't stop and maybe they have a go-to food or maybe they don't they just eat, and eat, and eat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously not just them, right? Like that's not just how their brain works. No, their brain is working that way because they're, they're essentially coping mm-hmm. emotionally with food or with whatever it might be. So we can use different techniques of NLP to A, realize what was causing that, and B, to change the behavior. Um, and by changing the behavior, or through changing the behavior, you change the thought processes. Um, so little things like that, it could be, um, like I said, other behavior changes, like, oh, for some reason, I just can't ever get myself to go to the gym. This is kind of a silly example, but it's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't get myself to go to the gym, and I don't know why it always happens but every day when I say I'm gonna go, I don't go and I end up doing something else that I think is more important in that moment. And then I get upset with myself and then we go down this kind of rabbit hole cycle sort of thing (laughs) that can also change using NLP. So it can be little tiny things like that. It could be just those little obstacles that we experience mentally that just jump up out of nowhere or come out repeatedly and interrupt our thinking, interrupt our our focus, things like that. So it could be little things like that it could be big things like traumas.
0: Yeah. And I and I want to add because I think this is something that's so important and I know that you agree with this as well because we've had this conversation multiple times that you know, trauma is all relative. So, mm-hmm. you know, we the the world, you know, as a whole might have defined trauma as a b c or d but there also could be a hundred other traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. that when happen when it's happening to an individual in their experience from their viewpoint from their you know particular chemical makeup it's very traumatic and Mm -hmm. so people will sometimes tend to you know push that under the rug or not talk about it or not allow that to be something that they go get help for because the world hasn't defined it as a trauma. So I think it's always important to just lay that out there that all trauma is relative. And if it's yes. affecting your daily life and it's causing you to do things or not do things that you know, will help you to become whole, then, it, then call it what it is and then you know, find the help that you need for that.
1: Um, yes, thank you for saying that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I do feel like it's something that, that people just need to be reminded of so that they can have the like, permission to just call things what they are, um, totally, and experience them the way that they experience them. From um, so from so that was reactive. So from a preventative angle, which we are definitely both on the same side of the coin for this, where we feel mm-hmm. like so much more can be accomplished if we go from this side, this this prevention side. Can you explain how proactive use of NLP techniques can build resilience and uh, equip people with? with better emotional intelligence.
1: Yes, this is perhaps my favorite topic of conversation, (laughs) um, as you know. Mm -hmm. So from the very beginning, when I first started working in this field, thanks to Christy, my mentor, who, you know, very well, Mm -hmm. um, she told me preventative is always best. And because I was so interested in preventative health in the beginning, it just made sense to me why we would be why we would take preventative measures and be proactive with our mental and emotional well being as well as our physical. Mm-hmm. And to kind of give you an example, I work with athletes, and in the sports world, there's a really high emphasis on injury prevention. So, athletes are getting massage, they're doing strength and conditioning, they're working on mobility, they have athletic trainers, they have all these different modalities and people helping them to prevent injury because who wants to be an injured athlete? Nobody. You would much rather be strong, mobile, flexible, and be able to do your job well without having to take weeks off to nurse an injury, to heal an injury. So the same thing goes with the mind. Mm -hmm. If we are taking preventative measures and we're being proactive with the mind, the goal is to hopefully prevent some form of I guess injury meaning illness um, sometimes can't always control it completely. However, we do have a really, we do have a lot more agency over our mental and emotional well-being than, than most of us think we do. So, if we're going to take a proactive approach to our mental and emotional well-being, we're going to be looking at different areas of our lives and taking inventory and going, what can be even better. Like I might not have some really big traumas and we'll say trauma relative to me. I might not have something that's really big and drastic, but I do have those little things that they just kind of get under my skin and I'm just not as, as productive as I'd like to be in my work maybe. Or I think I could take my health to the next level, but there's something blocking me or something preventing me from doing that. So if we work through those things, that's where you get to optimization,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's looking less of uh, at what's wrong and more at what can get even better, and then just once you once you take note of what those things are, working to optimize them,
0: yeah, yeah, and i mean i I just feel like this is the ideal way to to help people, you know mm-hmm. like I feel like you know you and I both work with people who more often than we'd like actually come to us in an emergency. You
1: -hmm. know, when it's,
0: there's an emergency and and now we have to reactively do things and it's frustrating, at least I know it's for me. uh, I know it's it's for you as well because we, in those moments of emergency, it's like, yes, we have the tools and yes, we're here for you and yes, we can help you with this. But we also know in those moments that had certain things been put into practice and simple things not uh-huh. even you know extravagant <laughs> had just some simple things been put into practice ahead of time, the entire emergency could have been avoided, or at the very least been minimized to where there wasn't so much damage that you know or cleanup that had to do after the fact and I know that that's your your heart too, so besides you know avoiding emergencies besides you know preventing things that we can foresee like an injury. Um, mm-hmm. and please add examples for context. But what are some of the other positive things that can be can be optimized, like you're saying, like what types of things could be expanded um, by doing proactive work emotionally?
1: Good question. Um, the first thing that came to mind was better relationships mm-hmm. and being able to understand people a little bit better and have people understand you too, because we all want to be understood. Um, But a lot of times we forget to understand or to try to understand. So relationships, um, just increasing our level of joy and peace of mind. Little things like stress at work or um, stress at home, however big or small those stressors might be or the effects of them might be, um, optimizing that so that we can better manage our stress which will then allow us to experience more joy, more peace of mind, of course, health. When you optimize your mental and emotional health, you in turn can optimize your physical health just by the physiology, the biology of the way you think, the way you process things. And then also when you have more mental clarity, then you can take steps to physically optimize your health as well. and maybe it's, like I, s- I mentioned earlier, productivity. Maybe it's just increasing your productivity at work. Maybe it's enjoying and being present with your friends and your family. So it's taking those things also to the next level.
0: Yeah. And I think that, that re- having healthy relationships is up there in my mm-hmm. top five you know, things to, to get you know, pay attention to, to do, to practice intentionally because it, it is the, it is the interaction with others that helps you stay healthy because you, ha- because there's intimacy. There's mm-hmm. people who are close to you that you can be authentic with, who also know who you are in your authenticity and can s- help to have foresight for you, you know, where you might have some blind spots or you might just be running so fast. You know, something's coming out, you know, from the from the side corner and somebody's there to be like, oh, my gosh, do you see that? You should watch out for that. thing." Mm -hmm. Like not having, you know, when you don't have relationships, you don't have that that team around you. So I think that that's that's something that's really important and such a benefit of of proactive work, um, you know, to expand just health in general. Um, Totally. So you.
1: And, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say also, aside from your relationships with other people, your relationship with yourself and how you speak to yourself
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and also your relationship with your creator, those three components, other self creator, I think are so, so important.
0: Yes, I couldn't agree more. I think that that is, that is such a good point, And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I do think that that's an element that that gets missed and again it goes back to the wholeness thing you know if Mm -hmm. you don't have you can only love as well as you can love yourself you can only know love so long as you know the love of your creator, so it, it's it's like to minimize one or to negate one is to negate all as far as I'm concerned. So Agreed. Right, thank you for bringing that that point in. Um, I was gonna say uh, you you specialize, obviously, you're you're specializing in like elite performers. Um, mm-hmm. you work with athletes, you had mentioned executives and entertainers. and the this particular demographic of people, they have this immense amount of pressure to perform. Um, which I feel like we all do have, you know, people who are desiring to do things while there is a pressure to perform. But the difference being there in the spotlight, you know, every little thing that they're doing is being analyzed and critiqued and judged and, and replayed and replayed and, and replayed. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and so you'd think that in this particular profession that it would be a requirement for there to be proactive emotional health and mental health Techniques and work and people just like you had mentioned there's a you know massage therapist and you know They have all these other modalities But I would have thought and it was shocking to me as I got into the industry that that wasn't in place Um, In what ways do you think that the state of mental health would improve if these industries started proactively addressing? mental health
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness I don't think there is a limit to how it could improve. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't even know if you can measure it it'd be so drastic in these high performing industries whether it's business, sports, entertainment, music, whatever it might be if we have mental and emotional well-being experts or techniques or protocols to help enhance mental performance and well-being. I mean, I honestly, like, I don't even have any words Mm -hmm. for how, for the impact that that could make. So often we see and we hear about the crisis management that goes on in in these industries. And we hear about people talking about their mental health. Um, Thankfully, they're talking about that now. But before, even just like, six-ish years ago, when I first started getting into this, I was astounded by how many people kind of blew it off as like, oh, we don't need that now. Mm -hmm. We'll call you when we need you. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) um, I just think so many things could be prevented. There would be um, better relationships on set. There would be um, better conflict resolution between bandmates. There would be Greater fulfillment and peace of mind, um, and I say there would be I anticipate that to be the case, because mm-hmm. um, you can't you can't say for sure, but I really do believe that there would just be a greater sense of joy, fulfillment, and peace of mind if these things were implemented from the very beginning.
0: yeah. I think it would be a completely different industry, and I feel like their gifts yeah. would be it, you know, their their expansion would would be seen in in their gifts. You know, their their ability to perform. You know, their, they'd be able to take all levels of what they've been gifted to do, um, to who knows what degree. Because there wouldn't be those the interruptions of you know what really is. I think a tough profession because we mm-hmm. w- we really haven't been designed to be worshipped. You know, we we don't yep. really have the capacity to process the, you know, while we're on stage, everybody loves us and singing along, and then as soon as we walk off stage, um, you know, Twitter is talking about all the wrong things that we did. That's a mm-hmm. a pretty pretty wide swinging pendulum that I don't I don't believe that we were created to really handle well without proper tools and help. So I think it'd be a completely different and much more enjoyable. Uh, profession for everyone involved including including the audience um, you know because I think we w- whether people admit it or not we are watching what people are doing that have a platform and have a spotlight so to see them taking their mental and emotional health um, in a way or taking care of it in a way that's such a priority that teaches that mm-hmm. teaches the people who are watching so I think that that would be I think it would be profound um, so the word programming in NLP (laughs) uh, is it it can sound a little off-putting so when people ask what NLP is or if I'm explaining it to someone and we get to the neuro-linguistics programming part, mm-hmm. um, it, immediately they're kind of like, uh, you know, and I understand why that would be off-putting, but the reality is, uh, and most people don't know this, but we're actually all programmed, um, especially in the first several years of our life, as Dr. Bruce Lipton says, um, that we're on a mm-hmm. hypnosis record. I just love that yeah. so much. Yeah, me too. But, um, So, you know, the programming is, it, it can be useful, because it can help us evolve, Right? We watched somebody wash their face once and we, you know, we learned how to do that. But it also mm-hmm. can be harmful. So it's really important to understand who's operating these tools. Um, what industries or influences do you see actively using NLP, but most people don't know it's being used on them? Mm.
1: I see the
0: media and news using NLP. Mm hmm.
1: And I think they're using it the loudest and the strongest. Mm -hmm. Um, There are different ways that uh, other industries use NLP with marketing, um, just by reinforcing things, by essentially claiming that this is the most important thing and here's why, and if you don't utilize this thing or you don't buy this product or you don't um, do this, thing that we're saying is the most important thing, then um, then you're gonna lose out on life. Then you're a bad person. Then you're gonna be fat and die. Then you're like the way that, <laughs> they don't say those exact words, but they the way that things are marketed, um, they are essentially saying that and playing into people's emotions. And when they use NLP, what I see is um, subliminal messaging mm-hmm. Um, And playing to the linguistic side of things and playing to the subconscious or speaking to the subconscious without us thinking about it. And when we're watching TV, we can slip into our brain can slip into going into theta waves which is when our brain is easily programmable. Mm -hmm. So if we're watching something, whether it's great or not, doesn't matter what it is, our brains can start to pick up on things that we are not consciously aware of. So I see it a lot in media, TV, film, um, marketing in various industries. And it's not all bad, but certainly not all good Mm -hmm. at all. (laughs) <laughs> at all at all
0: <laughs> well especially now and I know that that's been you know a topic of of many of my conversations with a lot of my clients in the last year two years um you know in just all of the information and what is misinformation and trying to sort through all of you know what is out there to get to the truth and and you really and tell me what you think about this but I I tend to say, well, look and to see how they're presenting information because if it's playing on your emotions, you typically don't need to. Uh, you typically don't need to bring in fear or or any other emotion to get somebody to listen when you're mm-hmm. when you just have the truth. Like the truth is really loud, and it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious. And I do believe that most people, I'd say a majority of them, have the ability to discern the truth from, you know, fiction. But, um, but when they start playing on your emotions, you know, when it becomes like, oh, your grandma, you know, or, oh, your, your friends or, you know, oh, your whatever, the things that you love, that's when it's time to pay attention or to ask questions. That's when you should be a little bit more protective about what you're letting come in, because typically they don't have to come by way of your emotions. What do you think about that?
1: yeah I agree um, i don't even I don't even really know what to say that you haven't already said but when when people are guilting you into something whether it's like peer pressure or it's coming from the, the media or whoever mm-hmm. um, that's a form of manipulation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and when when you're being manipulated, or you feel like you're being manipulated. No, let me rewind. When you're being manipulated, sometimes you don't realize that you're being manipulated. Mm -hmm. And when you said that most people can discern what's true and what's not, I think that is true. However, I also think that when we're slowly being programmed, or maybe just confused, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's a lot harder to discern what is actually true and what is what is not. Because yes. then we, we can start questioning ourselves if we are constantly being told something that we thought was once false and now it's being sold as truth.
0: Mm, so good. It's that damn confusion. It, it really <laughs> protect, confusion. protect your mind, people. Protect your mind. It, I yes. do think it's, it's, it's the emotions that they play on, they being whomever is using this tool in a way that is not to the benefit of the person who's receiving the information but also the motive behind it why like are you sure that it's because it's for it's does this really improve your life is it really better for you like and who designated such and such of industry or person to make that call did you Mm -hmm. did you delegate them as the person to make those decisions for you or your family so i'd say emotions and motives are important factor to to assess as information is coming your way And also not to get hypnotized by the screens, uh, so that you're not accidentally, (laughs) accidentally wandering around talking about things that are actually not true. (laughs) Um, uh, Would you say uh, we're we're getting like we've this is like the best conversation. I'm so thankful that you've that you've um, done this with me today. But I want I have one more quick question, and then um, some. I'm going to ask you for some actionable steps for people. But um, would you say? uh, that more of your work is helping people to do or undo? Oh, great question.
1: First of all, thanks so much for having me. I always love talking to you and especially about this kind of stuff. I really appreciate you having me. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So do I think more people or do I think more of my work is doing or undoing? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is undoing. (laughs) Um, Depends on the person, but I think a lot of it is undoing and then relearning how to do. Yes. Um, So undoing could be, um, maybe somebody struggled with body image for years and years and years and years. And every time they looked in the mirror, they had the same thought process, the same set of emotions, and then they had behaviors that followed it, Um, whether that was like wearing frumpy clothes because they didn't want people to see what they really look like, or um, just not feeling good about themselves and feeling down all the time. Um, we can learn to undo that, and there's a lot of undoing of that. But then there's learning about um, how, to, how to change that. So then we're doing,
0: mm-hmm. in a
1: sense, we're, we're changing our thought processes. Um, we're changing our behaviors. We're changing our emotions. And then we're changing the results that we experience and the amount of joy that we experience. So there is a lot of undoing. There's also a lot of doing.
0: Yeah, because you gotta replace what you just ended. That's right, <laughs> yeah. that's right. That's, I mean, that's what my answer would be too, is that I've, I, I've said that often, that I feel like I, I spend most of my time undoing because once the the reality or the, the helpful stuff comes in, It's it's a much quicker turnaround, but it's the undoing that is the hardest stuff I've I've found when I work with people. Um, Where? Well, let's really quickly. What are what is an action step that somebody could do today, right now, for free um, that would help them become more emotionally intelligent? Mm -hmm.
1: Really quickly, if you don't. Okay. So. I'll give you three action steps really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one is just take inventory of different areas of your lives, or of your life, excuse me, and just pause and assess and just kind of investigate where you're at. So often we're just on autopilot, going, 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 and we don't really take the time to just pause and assess where we're at. Um, So start there. Number two would be accept where you're at and identify where you want to be. So when I say accept, I don't mean Accept and sit there and and wallow and get upset, but just accept where you're at without resistance. So often we we think we're somewhere that we're not because we're not willing to accept where we're at. So accept that, identify where you want to be, and then implement some strategies to get yourself to the to the place that you want to be at. Um, and then third, I would say, be grateful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Be grateful, and along with that start to recognize the meaning that you're attaching to the things that you think and see and experience. And I can guarantee that if you start taking inventory of that as well, you'll have a lot more to be grateful for and you can change a lot of things in your life.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm going to put in the show notes uh, where you can find Stephanie, follow her, support her, learn more about what she does. Um, So I will be adding her website to the show notes. So make sure to look there. What is it really quickly, your your website, Stephanie?
1: It's stephaniehajar.com. Stephanie with a P-H and an I-E. And my last name is H-A-J-J-A-R.
0: Amazing. Amazing. I will put those in there. Thank you so much again, Stephanie, for, for chatting with me today. And thank you all so much for listening and being intentional to create health and wholeness in your life, because that is, of course, the ultimate freedom.
1: Thank you, Wendy. I so appreciate you having me. And I always love talking to you.
0: Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Whole, Healthy, and Free. I will be back soon with another edition of the podcast. I invite you to check out my next episode once it becomes available on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Until then, stay focused, insist on the truth, and do not quit. You are so much stronger than you realize.